Here's a sobering thought. In a nation of 60 million people, South Africa only has 121,000 software developers, and almost 40% of them work for international companies. That adds up to a critical shortage of tech talent. How did we get here? And with digital transformation rapidly reshaping industries and supply chains the world over, what does this mean for the country's global competitiveness? And what are we doing to address the crisis? This is no ordinary Wednesday. It's an in-depth look at the events and trends, moving markets, shaping the economy and changing the game. I'm Jeremy Maggs and a very warm welcome. Today, our guests are Shabana Teva, Chief Information Officer at Investec Bank South Africa. Malcolm Lang, founding member of the Academy of Accelerated Technology Educate, or AATE, and Stephen van der Hayden, Vice President of Community at OfferZen, a leading job marketplace for technology developers who joins us online from Amsterdam. To all of you, a warm welcome to No Ordinary Wednesday. So, Shabana, let's start the conversation with you and be as blunt as you can in your first answer. Just how bad is the tech talent shortage in South Africa? And maybe more importantly, how did we get there? So I think, Jeremy, it's as simple as economics for me. There's a demand which has led to the shortage of supply when it comes to the tech talent at the moment. I think lead times actually indicate for us, particularly to get strong people or strong tech talent into our organization is sitting at about three to six months. And to answer the second part of your question, why the demand? Why now? How did we actually even get here? Especially considering technology is already used as the heart of organizations or businesses, either to drive cost efficiency or actually drive any of the growth opportunities. My view is that the pandemic has actually shocked the system and accelerated the use of technology across organizations. And if I use McKinsey's words or description, they say that digital adoption has taken a quantum leap across organizations and industries during the pandemic. So basically, remote working became a necessity. Consumer demand has led to online channels and organizations responded in order to stay relevant. And they've responded by re-engineering their internal operations using technology to create efficiencies for remote working. They've actually responded by servicing customer interactions and going online. They've actually made products digital to meet customer expectations. I mean, digital transformation has become one of the leading strategic objectives across organizations, across the industries, not only to adapt to the new ways of consumer demand or the new ways of operating, but actually now to drive new business models and differentiation. So, I mean, all these investment in technology and tech business priorities have driven the demand for tech professionals across the industry. I mean, in addition to that, the remote working, as I mentioned earlier, has given access to more people across boundaries. So it's great to see South Africans being accessed globally, you know, across overseas. And it's it's wonderful to see that, but it does create global competition for those same technical resources. And I think all of this influenced the high demand of tech professionals. So there's no better time to actually increase the supply. Shabana, you know, we bandy this term tech talent around quite openly. Maybe let's pin you down a little bit further. What, in your opinion, then, are the most critical skills that not only you, but other big organizations are struggling to find, to fill? 
I think you can see across the industry, there's a huge demand from a business perspective to drive growth opportunities. So basically building scale, particularly 10x scale. I mean, the second part is also to use data more strategically within their organizations and look at the client experience in a manner that's frictionless, seamless, and make it more sticky, especially when it comes to how clients interact and the products that we offer digitally. You know, and that's been driving the demand of some of the critical skills in the market and centered around, you know, your data science, machine learning, artificial intelligence, software engineering, software development, as well as cloud native skills, either in Azure, in AWS or the like. Stephen, in a sense, and correct me if I'm wrong, you're on the other side of this uh, worrying conundrum. You would be trying to fill tech talent gaps for companies like Investec. So how are you doing that? And what are the big challenges that you're currently facing in that respect, particularly when it comes to a shortage of skills? Sure, Jeremy. I think what we're trying to do really, what we do is we're a marketplace where we get software developers jobs. So we go out to the market, find software developers, particularly focused on software developers and data scientists and help them get jobs at companies. So we have around 2000 companies throughout the region, which is Africa and Europe. So EMEA that we kind of service through this platform. So I suppose you would expect, uh, given the introduction that I would introduce the biggest challenges, we simply can't find the talent. I think it's nuanced. And I think some of the things that Shabana said are some good insights into kind of where the nuance lies. But in our experience, I mean, we put 200 curated software developers a week live on our platform. So we have the talent. I think what we imagine is that, you know, the talent is universally distributed, but the opportunity is not. And that's changing quite fast. As tech comes into traditional industries, as remote kind of changes the shape of the market, these things introduce opportunities for people that wouldn't otherwise been able to make an impact to make an impact on brand new things. So we see the problem really as a matching problem. For companies, it's really hard to find what good talent looks like. As Malcolm will attest to, there is no standardized board for this is a good software developer. So we kind of end up using the same proxies as we always have traditionally perpetuating the problem. Everybody's fishing in the same pool for the same thing, looking for a UCT comp site the graduates or someone with experience to take a lot to Amazon. So there's a lot of education work that we do with our clients and with our software developers to explain to people, look, you know, this person has got a lot of potential. They've got a lot of experience. It may not look like experience that's completely in line with what you're looking at, but developers learn fast. They can move fast. And then conversely, on the other side, for a software developer, you know, they know the household brands, the Amazons and that kind of stuff, but they don't know a new agri-tech startup, that there's a good opportunity there. So we don't necessarily see the problem as a tech talent shortage per se in that specific format, but we do see within that there are kind of segments of shortages and mismatches. And we spend our time with our teams trying to match these kind of opportunities and the potential in a better way. I'm curious in your opinion as to what then defines good opportunity. Great question. So essentially, our mission is to help the world build better software. We think that software enables the future and that it's kind of a controversial opinion, but we believe that software is changing the world for the better. So we see software as extremely impactful. A single software developer can write code that changes the face of an industry. So we see those uh, opportunities, good opportunities, opportunities where developers can come in and make an impact. But as we'll see, is for a software developer, a good opportunity is an opportunity with growth. That's the thing that's prioritized. And as Shabana says, you know, good talent is hard to find. You know, this McKinsey is saying, you know, people are moving industries. We need these people that can help us transform from traditional industries into new industries. The real crux of the thing is problem solving. 
At the end of the day, software developers are problem solving and you get that through experience. So good opportunities for software developers generally comes down to places where people can learn new things, solve new problems and grow as software developers. We did a massive survey, it's called the State of the Developer Nation Survey, and that was the top rated thing that software developers look for in their opportunities. And very quickly, I imagine in a conducive and wholesome working environment. Yeah, absolutely. So I think there's a whole list of things ranked that people are looking at. Culture, I think, was in the top five. But I think for software developers, especially now, given that remote was number two, software developers are starting to focus on the problem and the conditions in which they can solve the problem and less so on the people that they surround themselves with. Obviously, because remote is a new thing. So software developers are spending their time with their families and with the code and their problem less so within the management structure and all that kind of thing. So we're seeing that evolve quite fast, actually, if you follow our surveys 2019 through to 2022. The three of you will agree with me that fundamentally it all comes down to training and education. Malcolm, you're an alumnus of Investec. I think you probably faced the same kind of difficulties that Shabana is dealing with today. You have an academy. It has a novel approach then to fixing the deficit of tech skills in South Africa. What are you doing? So you're right. I've faced the problem that Shaban is facing now for many years. We've been fighting for the same small pool of qualified people. And that's not the only problem. The problem is the technical landscape changes over an 18-month period. So the university struggled to give us people that can actually hit the ground running because their curriculums are not up to date. They can never be up to date because their curriculums must be stable for at least a five-year period. And we have a changing landscape every 18 months. So the Academy's aim is to create a larger pool of qualified people with up-to-date relevant technical skills and to stay abreast with the ever-changing technical environment. There are over 600 graduates in SA without jobs at the moment. They've proved their commitment and they've proved they have a certain level of intellect and they are our target market. The process we're going to go through in order to ensure that we can have an impact on this situation is a 12-month program. The first three months, we'll teach them a language. And remember, I'm saying any graduate, not necessarily a computer science graduate. So it could be anyone. We'll teach them a language suitable to the learning path. And Shabana mentioned data scientists and um, software engineers. There's another scarce commodity out there, which is a security engineer. So those are the three learning paths that we're going to address. Uh, we'll then, after teaching them a suitable language, which coincides with their learning path choice, we'll teach them the fundamentals of cloud computing, and we will do it using the product owner's material. So we will get the latest material from a Microsoft, from an Amazon, from a Google, so that it will always be up to date. We'll never lag behind the new product curve. The following nine months, we would place them in a corporate to learn the job with a set curriculum, set timelines, a mentor in place. There'll be constant monitoring of their progress by the academy. And that will ensure acceptable progress while building a body of evidence of practical and theoretical experience. This whole process will culminate in them earning an ICITP designation of Information Technology Certified Professional SA with a specialization, say, in software engineering. So that's the way we're doing it. So, Malcolm, it addresses two issues. One is the work experience and people keeping up to date with those vital tech skills. I would also hazard a guess that it might make some sort of dent on this country's youth unemployment rate. We know it's uh, among the highest in the world. Are you able at this point to measure the impact of an initiative like this? 
So can we make a dent? Absolutely. If we get 10% of the 600,000, that's 60,000 people. That's a big dent. And the kind of people that we are coming across, Jeremy, are people that if you get a software engineer who becomes employable, it impacts probably 10 people around that person as well. So the impact on the overall society is huge. And that's basically what we're chasing. Shabana, how does an initiative sit like this with you? Listening to Malcolm, and he's the expert here, I'm not. It sounds as if the solution of practical immersion is one that corporates are looking for. Absolutely. It resonates quite strongly with us at Investec, not only because Malcolm's an alumni and we have a close relationship, but because of what we're doing for society, not just for Investec. Research is actually showing that all these digital initiatives are going to increase the demand for more and more technical skills. One of the research studies actually shows that tech grads, the new demand for tech grads will sit at 1.7 million more graduates that are highly skilled in the future. It just shows you the rate at which we need to increase the supply of these tech professionals in the industry. Another stat shows us the investment in these skills and technology adoption from an economic perspective on employment actually really raises our gain. There's a net gain of more than 1 million jobs by 2030 in South Africa if we invest in this the way we say we should be. We're going to continue this conversation in just a moment. I just want to remind you that a new episode of No Ordinary Wednesday drops every fortnight. Please don't miss it. Subscribe to Investec Focus Radio SA wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like us, please rate the channel. Um, Stephen, I want to come back to you. I want to flip the coin if I can. Uh, I think it's fair to say this is a war for talent now. Demand outstrips supply. Um, you alluded to culture being one thing that uh, the, the professionals are looking for in employers. What else is this new generation of people looking for when they are looking for optimum work? So, Jeremy, I think the thing I mentioned earlier is growth opportunities. And I think when I say growth opportunities, if we define that, again, if you have a look at the survey, a lot of that is done by challenging projects. So I'm quite excited about the work that Malcolm and the team are doing with giving people real-world experience. You know, uh, 75% of software developers, according to our survey, are looking to learn a new language within 12 months. So this stuff is insanely fast. And learning through doing something that's incredibly important for software developers. So our survey results are showing that you know growth opportunities are right at the top. Uh, that's definitely something that kind of defines software developers. The other thing there is because the things move so fast, software developers learn from each other. Um, so it's very exciting to hear that this mentorship is part of the kind of program as well. And that's due to the fact that these languages and, and frameworks come up so fast that communities form around them. And that can also happen within organizations. So software developers are definitely looking for opportunities to grow. The other thing that enables them is senior software developers, just to give you an idea, uh, in the last year, with more than 10 years experience, their salaries have increased 19% in South Africa. A junior software developer salary has decreased 3.6% in the last year. So coming into the market as kind of a bootcamp grad or university grad is only so much. 
but giving people practical experience and giving them kind of a stamp of approval, a leg up, and as Malcolm says, making them employable, and that can take them from early stage to taking growth opportunities, becoming more senior, earning a lot more money and having a much bigger impact. And then those are those kinds of developers that start to get these global opportunities and start to really kind of create and morph the industry and start to help the others. And that's really where it goes. So I think the work is not just getting people kind of in the door. We as a kind of industry have a lot of work to do to get people from day one to day 300, 700, and really winning and thriving within their tech career. I personally believe that's where we should be focused. And Stephen, South African companies, I would imagine, have got to have a tacit uh, appreciation of the fact that uh, borders and boundaries no longer exist. It's not just South African companies that are seeking to employ the scarce talent that we have. You can take that talent anywhere in the world, given the remote equation that we've just spoken about. Yeah, 100%. I think that happened and was accelerated. It was already happening, but it was accelerated by COVID. Tech talent is now a global game. We call it Middle Earth, uh, which is basically Europe and Africa, just within our time zone. I know that's not the official corporate term, but basically we're seeing hiring happen within that region, predominantly English speaking within the time zone. And what's super exciting for us, as I mentioned, is this search for the problem solver. We're starting to see South African companies hire European software developers at European Euro salaries to solve these massive problems. Can you imagine these, these data science problems are gigantic and the prize on the other side is massive. So we're starting to see kind of an equilibrium happening and what we would define is its opportunity being realized you know there's a good south african aggregate one and little uh, tech startup here they're changing the way that uh, you know agricultural logistics are working throughout the world little south african startup they can now access the kind of the world's talent because of this and that's super exciting it's a two-way street so definitely south african companies are competing against the world but they can also compete against the world um, and we as Offizen, have recently gone uh, international and we experience this on a day-to-day basis so i think it's it can only be good where people with talent get the opportunity they deserve and are able to realize that so we're pretty excited about it and Shabana, Stephen talked about impact and implication. So let's dive straight into that if we can. What are the implications if businesses don't meet these tech resource needs that we've been talking about? Um, dead in the water or pretty close to it? Yeah, pretty much. So your sentiment is 100% correct. When I actually think about this, I don't think it's going to be a case of myopia like Kodak, where they were blinded by the success that they didn't see digital photography coming in. This is absolutely a case of disruption if we don't get the technical skills to drive the ability to digitally transform organizations. I think organizations would be certainly outpaced by their competitors, not be able to meet consumer demands or customer expectations. And even eventually would certainly be disrupted. 100% correct. If I can add to that, I think that it's, it's definitely not something that's blindsiding us. There's a report from 2018, which Stripe, uh, which is a big fintech, did called the Developer Coefficient. And back then, their CEOs were already declaring access to developer talent as the number one constraint to growth, even ahead of capital, money itself. So I think it's definitely something that's been a strategic prerogative or priority for many, many corporates for a long time. And that's a global phenomenon. And as I said earlier, I think COVID's accelerated it to quite a large extent. One of my favorite cliches is if you can't manage it, if you can't measure it. So do we have a sense of the number of tech jobs in South Africa that we currently need and what the deficit is? So measurement is very, very hard. We know that every organization is looking for tech talent. We know that 
you know, remote working has changed the dynamics, certainly. And we also know that South Africans are also high in demand because of their skill level as well as their work ethic. This global competition is really real, creating this war for talent. And let's amp up the supply, just amp up the supply. So, Malcolm, talking about amping up the supply, would it be your sense then that the companies that you are exporting your trained talent to are prepared to invest in this process, that there is a believability that that curve has got to accelerate very quickly? Jeremy, I doubt there's any meaningful corporate in South Africa that doesn't have a strategy around maintaining and growing their tech talent. This started as an idea and aligned to a strategy to reduce risk, a strategy to overcome our tech talent being poached. And the way you do that is you increase the pool, especially where there are roles and functions that are very, very difficult to fill and where the pricing for those roles is just growing on a daily basis. So the academy actually fits in with a defensive strategy of any meaningful corporate out there. So I'm seriously not worried about the response from corporates. I think the response will be overwhelming. It's all about trying to meet the demand. Stephen, you know, something always fills a vacuum, doesn't it? And if there is a dearth of local talent, I would imagine the choice that very few companies are left with is to outsource tech jobs to countries and India springs to mind immediately. That is the traditional kind of default when one would think that, I think. What we're seeing, as I mentioned earlier, is that the kind of outsourcing of grunt work, just people coding in a basement, seems to be becoming less of a strategic priority. As tech kind of changes industries, it changes our own industry. So where people were used to be building websites, we now have tooling that does that. Where we used to have to write tests, the automations that do that. So tech is actually kind of coding itself out of a job at the same time which is kind of a strange thought. But there's a new thing by AI group called Project Codex. It's essentially right, uh, machine learning, AI algorithm writing code. So what we're seeing is that, you know, South African companies are not necessarily looking to solve the problem of uh, grunt work. And they're not really, in my experience of the 2000 companies that hire an office in, we're not seeing that happen to a massive extent. But what we are seeing is that people are looking beyond borders for those impactful individuals, those ones that can change the game, that can be problem solvers, that can write data science, those kinds of things. And there, the search is quite equal. It's not very much uh, kind of to India or anything like that. Those people, as I said earlier, talent is universally distributed. They might be sitting in Portugal, they might be sitting in Spain, or even already sitting at a bank in London. And that's kind of why our platform exists, to try and find people like that, give them an opportunity to get the job wherever it is, whether it's in South Africa or London or Munich or Berlin. I happen to be involved in a tech company in India, and uh, they are also struggling with the talent pool in India, which tends to blow my mind. But the reality is there's not an endless pool of talent, of tech talent in India at this stage. Folks, in conclusion, the working title of this edition of No Ordinary Wednesday, The Critical Shortage of Tech Talent in South Africa. I think you've all made the case. I think we understand what the problem is and I understand what the solutions are. But in the very short term, and it's a question to all three of you, and uh, Shabana, I'm going to start with you. What's the call to action here to help things along in the very immediate future? Jeremy, I'd say it's looking at all the partnerships that we currently have, one of them being with Malcolm and his organization to drive the increase in supply. 
I think I'll stress again, it's wonderful to see the reach towards South Africans from a highly skilled and work ethic perspective across globally. But it does make the local talent market much more difficult and much more competitive than we've ever had before. So for me right now, it's look at our partnerships, extend the supply and find mechanisms to do that. Shabana Thaver, thank you very much indeed. Malcolm, I'll throw the same question to you. Short, short term future, what do we need to do? So I think we need to increase the talent pool. That's the easy answer. I also think there's a talent pool out there at the moment, which is not being adequately mined. And I think South African corporates need to take the blinkers off and give people a chance that are out there with computer science degrees, but are sitting at home unemployed. Malcolm Lang, thank you very much. And uh, all the way in Amsterdam, Stephen van der Hayden, what are your closing thoughts on this? Look, I think the initiatives that Malcolm and the team are working on are, are super exciting. I want to kind of reiterate a couple of those graduates, those people that are applying to Malcolm's course already have CS degrees, right? There is potential. People have basics in place. I think there's a lot of work to do, a lot of kind of corporate attitudes, kind of generic attitudes amongst the industry to say, look, people have potential. Let's look beyond the normal pools. Let's look beyond our normal filters and start to look for those that have the potential, work on it, uh, give them the chance and make them employable whether that's for ourselves or for others. There's a lot of people with a lot of potential and there's not that much work that we need to do to really help them realize it. And so I'd encourage all of us to kind of work on that together. To all of you, thank you very much for joining me on this edition of No Ordinary Wednesday. Look out for Investec's new eight-part sustainability podcast series titled Future Impact, launching on the 23rd of June. From the entire No Ordinary Wednesday team, I'm Jeremy Maggs. Please join us again as we continue to explore money trends shaping your world. If you haven't yet added us to your podcast feed, search for Investec Focus Radio SA wherever you get your podcasts. And please hit that subscribe button. The views expressed are those of the contributors at the time of publication and do not necessarily represent the views of the firm and should not be taken as advice or recommendations. Investec Limited and subsidiaries, authorized financial service providers, registered credit providers, and long-term insurer.